we want to take control of our lives. We want to have that opportunity to say who, what, when, and where. And when you live with a rich attitude, when you live from that place of abundance and you live from that place of using practical strategies, you, you literally can be absolutely unstoppable. Welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Woman podcast. I am super excited to have an amazing woman on the show today. She is truly unstoppable. We have with us Marissa Nielsen, and she is going to give us an enormous perspective that's going to shift how you think about building the assets in your business, the financial side of your business and really looking at what you can do to navigate that smarter. She has an incredible story of building her own business, multiple seven-figure business, and has helped so many men and women alike really navigate how to organize their finances when it comes to their business. And we're also going to be touching on dun, 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 how to navigate divorce, because that is a Thing that happens. We don't want that. We don't desire it, but it shows up. And she has a book coming out about that. And I would love to, to help anyone who's considering that navigate it and, and, and really have the information that they need. So listen up and learn. Welcome to the show, Marissa. So good to have you here. Hey, 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 unstoppable women everywhere. I am stoked to be in the house with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thanks for allowing me to be on our on your podcast today. This is gonna be this is gonna be really fun. I'm really excited to do this. Awesome. So glad to have you here. Okay, let's just jump right in. I think it's very important for people to have a context of who you are and what you do. So before we started the recording, we talked about you, you are a multifaceted woman and you do lots of things and you could share from many different perspectives what you do. But I want to really highlight the financial advisor side because I think it's really important. So many women build their business. They understand the revenue generation side of things. They understand a certain amount of the business tactics and scaling strategies, but th there's so much more in terms of how to really grow your assets and, and attend to this, this incredible thing that you've built. So can you share with our audience your, your business around financial advising and your, your philosophy around it as well? Yeah, well, I love I love business first of all, and in my particular industry, I started out in the financial services organizations world uh, 28 years ago. So I've been doing this a long, long time, and only 17% of the industry is women. So I'm in a highly male-dominated industry. It's a very interesting industry. But what I would just share with you as a woman in business, one of the things I'm super, super passionate about is understanding and making this decision today. We need to all, if you are in business today, you need to make the decision today that the world needs you rich. The world needs you really, really rich. And I'm not just talking about just financially. I'm talking about emotionally, relationally, spiritually, 
uh, physically and financially, because the best way to live your life rich, I mean, these are the reasons that we started our own business. We want to take control of our lives. We want to have that opportunity to say who, what, when, and where. And when you live with a rich attitude, when you live from that place of abundance and you live from that place of using practical strategies, you, you literally can be absolutely unstoppable. Um, yeah. So my, my philosophy is exactly that. It, it, I, you're I was speaking my you- language. Let me just, let me just interrupt you and pause you there. You're speaking my language because, you know, the way I approach business coaching is we need to start helping you cash flow right now. We need to yes. start helping you meet those revenue goals immediately, because if you don't have the financial means to do your life, live your life, play out your genius, your growth, you'll always be stopped, but it doesn't end there, right? If, if you're, there's so many people out there who are wealthy, but unhappy, we want you to be, have, having this extraordinary life in all the aspects of your life and your business. So you're really speaking my language. I want to go back to one thing you, you said already before you even tell people, you can answer my first question shortly. Okay. (laughs) Yes. But you said something about, you know, being one of the few women financial advisors out there. And that was one of my questions for you was, you know, what is it like being a woman in this industry? And do you think you have a different perspective? You don't have to, but do you think you have a different perspective than male financial advisors or approach? I do actually. Um, I, I think in, we listen differently um, and not always. Right. Uh, but but the ear is trained for intuition with us. And I think this, this for all industries, by the way, I would just share with you for women in business, listen to your gut. Um, and I was listening for other things. So, you know, I would go into, I would go into, I, I teach workshops, right? Educational financial planning workshops, you name it, business work, business planning workshops, we're teaching them. And we have a 98% close in a workshop. And That's fantastic. How the heck did you get? I mean, the industry average is 20, 20%, 20% is your close ratio going into a, a workshop. We have a 98% close workshop, close in our workshop because we've been listening after every single workshop. We'd say, what, what works for you? What didn't work for you? What landed? What, what made sense? So we we're, we're constantly pivoting. And so I, I find it very interesting in the perspective of men and women in, in this particular thing, because I can also ask some questions that are sensitive, that are really, really sensitive. The behind the curtain questions, and there are very thing, there are very few things in people's lives that are more or less private. I mean, it, sex and money, those are the two most private things. People Pretty don't much. want to talk about that stuff, right? They just <laughs> and I talk about them all the time. <laughs> I, know, I know, me too, me too. So, so you know, let's pause there for a second. So let's go tactical on that because I think that's an incredibly important point. You asked for feedback and you took it in and you applied it. Yeah. But let's go specific there. What kind of feedback did you actually ask for? Because so often I, I feel like people ask, sort of surface level or surface level feedback and, and they get all the, the, like you did great kind of like five yeah. stars and you don't get the specificity. Um, I think because you're afraid of hearing the, the criticism. So, so talk to yeah. me about how you developed your feedback process there. Yeah. So the first thing I would share with you is you got to put your ego on the shelf and, and, you know, you walk off and especially for me, maybe not for everybody else, but for me, I was like, well, I want to, I want to be a 10 every single time. 
Like I, I want a 10 out of 10. And so I would ask questions like, which part of this did you apply? When did you apply it? How did you apply it? Um, you know, did, did, did that story so you, so land that, that application question, is that immediately after the workshop or is that, uh, that would be later. It was a, in a follow-up meeting. So okay. the people that would come back and see us okay. for, for meetings afterwards, we'd set a free consultation with them after that workshop. And then they'd come back in for their free consultation. And I would say, what was the most powerful or impactful thing you heard in the workshop? What was the area that you got most bored in? What was the area where you're like, ah, oh, God, that sucks. I already knew that. Or, ah, oh, that, that didn't apply to me, right? And, and really got, really started asking the questions. If I could wave a magic wand, what would be the three things that I could give you or do for you today that would make your life immediately better? What would be the three things? And I would ask that type of question. And then I would ask the question, what keeps you up at night? in the areas of your, you know, financial world, in the areas of your children, in the areas of thinking about your education or your children's education or your business growth or whatever, you name, fill in the blank. What keeps you up at night in whatever that category is? Um, and, and we would, I, I would just pay attention, start writing down those answers. Oh man, I think about how my kids are going to fight when I'm gone over the stuff or who's going to take care of my clients or who's going to take care of my customers. I think about who's going to take care of the real estate or who's going to take care of my husband or wife because I pay all the bills and they know nothing. Right. So thinking about asking good questions before you go into every interaction, every interaction with your, I did it with you before we got on. I said, tell me about your audience. How can I best serve them? Because I love women in business. I love unstoppable women like we are. And we got to stick together because we got it. This is the way we make the world a better place. 100%. That, yeah. So when you, when you start with that question. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a question of taking your ego out of it because ego says, I'm afraid of making a mistake. And I, I don't want to even look at making a mistake because that might mean that I'm wrong in this world. And that's un, unfathomable to me. Like I cannot sustain that. So first mm -hmm. being willing to receive both the positive and the, the critical. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, continuing to ask those questions in, in, until you iterate so much that you know your client. What I heard was, you know your client now better than they even know themselves. Yeah. And that comes through, through asking questions and, and really listening hundred percent. It's one of the things that I teach when I teach sales is that it's, you ask the question and then you shut up and listen, you ask the question and then you shut up and listen. And it's not because you don't have expertise or you're not, you don't have something to add, but it's a, like the act of listening is so powerful and it allows people to feel truly heard and that is such a rarity in today's world. So I appreciate that, that aspect to it. So do you think your clients who are women in the financial world, you know, in your financial advising business, when your, your clients are women, do they have different concerns than men or are they fundamentally the same? Like we're all human beings and we all have the basic same concerns. Do you approach working with women differently? Um, I think some are the basic conceptual needs that we all want, right? Um, we, we all want to be happy. We all want to live a good life. We all, you know, want to be financially secure. We all want opportunities. All those things are the same. I will say with women in business, especially we, uh, we 
bet on ourselves less than men do. And there's statistics behind this. This is evidence-based research where a woman has to be like 110% ready and a man will apply for the same thing, the same contract, the same opportunity, and he's 40% there or 50% there. He's like, oh, I got half the qualifications. I'll apply for that, right? Yep. And a woman's got to have 110 plus all the background, right? She's got, and I think, I think, girl, when are you going to bet on you? You got to bet on you because this is this comes from this comes from an insecurity place, and we want security, and we don't want to look foolish. That's the other thing, and that's why it's it's I think very difficult um, when we approach the conversation. We have to do that in a, in a manner that says, "Hey, this is in a way for where we can have a growth opportunity here, uh, where you can change the way you think." And as a belief system, uh, I, I would ask you, where does where does that come from inside of us? And in business, it will serve you well. You know, I used to hear that years ago. I've been, we've been in business a long time. And 28 years ago, I used to hear fake it till you make it. And I was like, Ooh, yuck. I don't really like the feel because it felt like it was really not no integrity and fake it till you make it. <laughs> like, wait, wait a minute. I actually want to know what the heck I'm doing before I give people advice. And, and the guys in the room would say, ah, just fake it till you make it. You're a pretty young thing. And I literally, I, I was like, well, I'm going to do it different, boys. Yeah, I'm going to own my own company. I'm not listening to this jazz. And so I remember years ago, my mom said to me, we were, we were um, kids living in the trailer court. My, my mom's a single parent, uh, took us out of a really abusive situation. And my mom said to me after, after just a really tough day, 40 below zero in North Dakota in the winter, living in a two-bedroom trailer court, and she said, Marissa, you can be a victim or you can be victorious because I had asked her the question. I said, mom, we're really poor, aren't we? Like, we're like, we're like the poor people you see on TV. We're not just a little bit poor. We're like really poor. Now, keep in mind that afternoon we had fished an old brown couch out of a dumpster and she's laying on this couch and she looks up. At, I looked up at her and I said, mom, we're, you know, what, what do we do here? And she said, you can be a victim or you can be victorious. And I literally say it to me, myself every single day. I've said it in business year after year after year, that it's the no matter what attitude that you go into it, we don't have to be 100% ready, but we do have to take action. And so I'd ask you the question, what areas of your life right now is your mindset and your action plan not aligned? What you do daily will depend on where you're going. And so when I see, when I look back over my financial services years of career and how men and women do that differently, um, women, we are by nature connectors. By nature, we're more nurturing. By nature, we want to take care of the people around us. And so this is very easy for us to stop selling and start serving. This is a big one. If you stop selling and start serving, the sale happens. It just happens in a different way because you approached it with, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to make meet a need, solve a problem. And that's how I approach the business. And I've, I've taught thousands of women over the years. If you stop selling and start serving, people want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. They will come back to you over and over and over again. Yeah. It's one of the things that when I frame sales, I, I help people understand that sales is service. Yes. It's actually not separate. It is the way you serve, not yeah, yeah. A, a separate thing. So I love that. Now, do you think that there's a difference between, at the risk of offending people, the way, 
high performing women, the, the super ambitious, the super driven, the go-getters, like I'm going to build the seven figure business. Yeah. Approach their finances. than how someone who doesn't fit that uh, description approaches their finances. I do think there's a difference actually. And I, and this is evidence-based research in the background of that, how we are designed um, you know, for example, if you've ever done the disc and if you've never done the disc, uh, it's, it's just a way it, it, it's a really an observation about it, disc, Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, they have all these different ones that are out there, but we utilize the disc. And when you look at the, the different ways that people are designed, I would say it, whether it's male or female, I think it actually is based on design, but I do think that there's something to be said for how they approach that risk taker, super driven type a personality. Um, they need the people around them that are going to be the bean counters, the accountants in their world to say, hey, wait a minute, have you thought through all the steps in this? But the bean counters of the world also need the super driven type A in their world because they wouldn't get anywhere. And I mean that with, I, I know I'm probably offending lots of people when I say that, but I, this has just been my experience. This is my unstoppable world um, is I, I surround myself with people that don't have the same ability that I do. They don't have the same insights of things that I do. They don't have the same giftings. I surround myself with those people on purpose so that I can be the very best version of that. And how they approach their finances is very interesting. Um, one thing is uh, the question is, do you prepare or do you repair? Do you, if you take the last three to five years of your life and ask yourself the question, when you make a decision, how long does it take you to make a decision? Do you sit and stew over it for six weeks or a year before you are able to act? Or do you say, oh my God, I had a great idea. I'm calling my friend and we're doing this next week, right? Where, where are you at on that spectrum on, on a scale of one to 10? And it's interesting because the, the multi, multi millionaires that I work with all took risk, but they took calculated risk. I love that. So just for all my listeners, I didn't set her up with that. Okay. I didn't feed that to her. And I'm saying <laughs> okay. this, Marissa, okay. because I'm constantly teaching be a quick decider, learn yes. how to close the gap on time in terms of your decisions. Yeah, like yeah. if we're both running the same business and it takes you six months to make that decision and it takes me three days to make that decision or 15 minutes to make that decision, who's going to move through the process faster? And, yeah, yeah. and I might make a bad decision, meaning not get the results that I want the first time I make that decision, but I'm failing quote unquote faster. So I'm iterating faster. The person who takes six months or three weeks or two days to make a decision that I make in a minute or 15 minutes or a day, that person is failing slow, slower. They're not raising their necessarily their uh, accuracy in their decision-making because you, you have to triangulate enough decisions so that you know how to make better decisions. And it's only right. after you've made thousands of mistakes along the way that you can, tr tr you know, triangulate it and really know this is clear. I'm clear here. I'm clear here. I'm clear here. And you can do that faster, the faster you make decisions. And it's, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge attribute of the super successful. So if you're listening to this and you have a decision coming up, think about that. How can I close the gap on time? What if I just 
made the decision now and experienced the results and knew that if I didn't get the result that I actually wanted, I was going to be okay. Like I just really was. And so I have plenty of examples of this, but why don't you share with the audience an example of you having made a decision. Let's, let's make it a financial decision because people get all wonky and weird about making financial decisions, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the story that I tell is I used to spend as much time figuring out what to, the, the thing I was going to buy on Amazon that cost, you know, $13.99 versus $16.99 <laughs> as I did with the, my big money decisions. And I had no, like, I was like, it doesn't matter. It's $3. My time is worth more. My creative energy is worth more. What I can do in my business is worth more. So I, I, I just throw that out there, but, and there's been plenty of big financial decisions that I've made that haven't played out as well. And you have to learn that you're, you're not going to die. So do you have an example of that? Oh man, I got a good one for you. You're going to, you're going to, you did not do this. Okay. So 2013, um, I am going through a hellacious divorce. If you've ever seen war of the roses, um, I was war of the roses meets Jerry Springer on crack. Like, I sold everything at a rummage sale for a quarter because I was mad at him, like a baby grand piano. I sold I sold all the golf clubs. I sold the craftsman tool chest. I mean, he had taken my credit card, flew off with his new girlfriend to wherever they went. And, and you know, and, and, and I was mad. And, and I got it in writing, of course, you know, every week I can sell it and I'll take care of it. And we'll just split the proceeds. So I sold everything for a quarter. Like the con- this is what, ha- what happens when a woman's been scorned. Right? <laughs> Hell hath no fury. Right. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Yes. yes. So I'm mad, right? And now, in the midst of this, I am working with uh, in the financial services industry uh, a, a group of people that I no longer want to be aligned with, and I have about three thousand clients at the time. So, uh, in in the course of six weeks. I, I have a rule. If you if you're gonna have to make a decision, rip the band-aid off, baby. Have you ever have you ever had a band-aid on your skin and you slowly try to peel it off and peel it off and it hurts like a son of a gun? Can I say son of a gun on this show? You I'm can. So you can say anything you want on this show. <laughs> Get in big trouble or bleep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so I, you know, it rip it's like ripping off a band-aid. So when you have a decision to make. You have to ask yourself, is this in the direction of my dream or not? And if it's in the direction of my dream, one, two, three, baby. I got a one, two, three. Is this in the direction of my dream? Yes or no? It's a match or it's not a match. So I'm, 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 I'm scorned. <laughs> I have a, you know, a seven figure, just shy of eight figure financial services organization with three clients, uh, 3000 clients in 42 states, Right. And I decide in the space of six weeks, I will get divorced, sell my dream house, buy a new house, move, move my entire company from from one financial services group to another, because I'm independent, to another financial services group. And I did it all within six weeks. And I said to myself, (laughs) right, right. Um, And and I just said, you know, here's the deal. It's it's like a Band-Aid. I need to rip that sucker off. It's going to hurt like hell for a short period of time. But at the end of that, now I can make all the decisions I need. And is this in the direction of my dreams or is it not? And if it's, if it's in the direction of my dreams, I'm moving. 
just keep going, keep taking those steps moving forward in the direction of your dream. And so that's how I figure match or not match. It's, it's almost like going to your closet when you're making a financial decision and you say, is this right for me today? Does this make sense for me today? And in my long term, does that make sense? In my short term, does that make sense? But the bigger the decision, uh, if it's huge, huge money, I have a 24 hour rule, 24 mm -hmm. hours. Uh, but if it's in the direction of my dream, I always reserve the right in 24 hours to come back. And I will say to you, if I make a decision today, 24 hours, I will come back and say yes or no for sure. Yeah. I love it. But I love done, it. I love it. Done. I love it. Yeah. So a couple reflections there. She's talking about following your desires. She's talking about following your vision. And she has experienced doing that again and again and again so that she's confident in doing this. Wherever you're at in your life, if you're going, wow, this woman's crazy, I could never do that, right? <laughs> um, you know, start with something really small. Start with something that is mute myself for start with something that's really small start with something that you know you you might have a little bit of uncertainty with and start building that muscle it's super important okay gonna go in in a slightly different direction here so you are not like the traditional bean counter, quote unquote. Okay. No, no. You are not like the traditional um, financial advisor that tends to be more on the conservative side, take less risks. You are more of the entrepreneur who's saying, let's go. I'm ready. I know that if I fall, I can pick myself up. It's all good. I trust myself. Let's go. And I was um, in my research on you because we don't know each other. Until yeah, yeah. today, um, I was listening to you on your podcast talk about your checkups with your CPA, your uh, accountant, and how you've been coming to him every year for the last 19 years with the same or similar questions. Yeah. So that he, who is, I assume, quite a bit more risk adverse than then you can help you show up in your, your genius. So can, can we get really tactical on that? And can you yeah. share some of those questions? You know, there's probably more than you can actually share on this call, call or this conversation, but please share a few of those key questions. I think it would really help people to frame their own check-in conversations. Yeah. So I have a full navigating guide that you can bring to your accountant each year. Um, you can find that on my website if you, if you'd like to get that guide, but it's, it's all about strategy. So first of all, let me just share with you, if you are a women owned business owner or a business owner of any kind, because I'm hoping there are some unstoppable men listening to this podcast as well, because obviously you are brilliant. I love, I love the go now let's, let's do it. Um, the first thing I would share with you is if you really want to, uh, scale your business, you've got to fire the worst business partner you've ever had. And, and people say, well, what are you talking about? I'm a solo entrepreneur. I, I'm an individual entrepreneur. No, no. All of us have a business partner, whether we like it or not, we all have a business partner and the business partner that all of us have in the United States. There are two sets of tax codes in the United States, one for the informed and one for the uninformed. 
one for the informed and one for the uninformed. So you got to fire the worst business partner you've ever had. And that is the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service. And they give you the guidebook on how to do it. It's called, you know, the 800 page tax code. Now I'm, <laughs> I will tell you, I am, I like to have fun. Um, I, I like to party. I like to have a good time. I like to enjoy life. I like to have, you know, just all of those relationships but I, I like to keep what I made. I worked really hard for it. I grew up in the trailer courts. I grew up from nothing. Every dime I've ever made came because I hustled, came because I worked for it, came because I made moves and I followed through. So that's the first thing. Well done, you business owners who have made moves and are still here. But here's what happens. And I see it happen year in and year out. Women come to me who I coach in the area of finance and business. And they say, well, I made the money. I got to pay the tax or so. That's what my accountant says. And I said, well, wait a minute. If your accountant was making the money, would you think they were just paying the tax? So for example, there is a little section of the internal revenue code. And if you made money last year and you paid more than 12% on your tax return last year, you need to know this line. It is page two, line 15 of your tax return. And it says this little world called qualified plans. So I go right to that line. I bring it to my accountant and I say, how much can I put into qualified plans this year? Solo 401k plans, my own individual pension plans. How much money can I take off the top and not give to the United States government? Because one day this unstoppable woman is going to want to retire, enjoy the world, travel a lot more, bless other people, enjoy philanthropy all of those things that I'm doing now today, I want to do more of down the road. Well, if I give more of my paycheck away today to the IRS, I have less of that down the road for my hopes, dreams, and goals. Yes? Yes. So a couple questions I asked them. First of all, am I using all the tax options available to me? And I scare the crap out of them every single year. I go to Barnes and Noble. I buy this book, you know, 2021 brand new tax laws available to me this year. And here's the, you know, 400 tax deductions due to the small business owner this year. Or here's the, uh, you know, uh, 120 steps you can take this year. And I bring the book in and I put it on his desk and I do two meetings. The first meeting is this. Here's my book. And I lay it down and I say, I just want to make sure that I'm taking advantage of all of the tax rules. And I'll give you an example last year, uh, because I was going to pay in an extra 120000 pay in an extra $120,000 in income tax last year. And I said to him, I sent him an email six weeks beforehand. And I said, is there anything else? You have researched all the other options. I just want you to know because I'm getting a second opinion. And whether or not me and all my company and all my clients do business with you going forward is whether or not the answer is yes or no, because I'm getting a second opinion. So if they give me another answer, I'm not getting from you. Guess who I'm not doing business with going forward? You know what I love about that, Marissa, is that this is someone you've been doing business with for 19 years. Yes. And, yep. and it's not that you don't respect the friendship or that you don't want to continue to give this person business, but you're not going to put your clients at risk, your money at risk, yes. the, the, the business associates that work within your business, their clients at risk, all of that. If you're referring business to this person, you're, you're going to consistently be making sure this person's top of, on top of their game. And it's not, it's nothing personal. It's, right. it's, it's, and, and let me ask you this question. How did he take it? Was he like, game on? Yeah, let me check. Or uh, was he offended by that? 
Yeah. So it's all in the approach. So the first year I did it, I said, listen, I'm really, it's really important to me in my value system where I grew up from. I gave him the backstory because it's all about the backstory before you go in with that approach, right? It's really important to me that I take control in this area of finance because every dime I give away is one less dime that I can give to, you know, the foundation Latin America and to my local church and to the Girl Scouts and to whoever else I want to give to. I need to fire the worst business partner ever. And I need you to help me because you are the expert in this area. You're the cardiologist in that operating room, right? And he's, of course, yes, of course, I'm the cardiologist. And I said, I trust you. I know that you can do this with me. So we're going to do a team and I'm going to challenge you every single year from here on out. And here's the challenge. What can we find next? And at the end of that conversation, we're going to have a steak dinner and we're going to have fun. We're going to enjoy the time and it's all going to be good because we're going to know that we fired the worst business partner together and we did that as a team. And so he gets it because I started years ago with that. Now I bring in this list of questions, you know, what are the new tax laws that are available to me now? You know, what are we, what are we planning for as strategies? And I'll, I'll take last year, this $120,000 extra bill. They came in this, la- I just had my, I just had my meeting last Wednesday. And he said, Marissa, no worries. Here's what we found. We found a different way to make this company offset this company over here. So the $120,000 is now down to five grand. Fantastic. Okay. You're right on because, because I challenged him to do some critical thinking skills, think outside the box. And I think part of it is the challenge. Are you going to get better with me or are we going to get lazy? Because complacencies, by the way, this is in all areas of your business. Complacency is the thing that will kill you. And I have coached, I've coached billion, I've coached side hustles into multi, multi-million dollar businesses. I've done it myself. I own seven multi-million dollar businesses today. And so when you start thinking about your business, there's a strategy in part of that. And this is the number one area that I would share with you when it comes to taking control, take control of that tax tips. Um, if you want that, that resource, you can go to my, again, you can go to my download after this releases, it'll be on my website and you can download it. But there are some pieces in there and it's all about navigating your tax and asking the right questions. There are other questions. What changed from last year to this year? Am I taking advantage of all my tax deductible retirement plans? Um, Are there any new deductions that I can get for my home, for my businesses? Could this business sell to this business? Could this business rent to this business? There are three ways for your money to make money. You can invest in your own business. You can invest in other people's businesses, aka the stock market, or you can invest in real estate. There are three basic ways to make business, you know, make money in business today. Those are the three ways. So do I put that money back into my business to grow it and scale it? And and am I building a business to sell it down the road? Or am I building a business to, to use as a legacy company, something I'm going to pass down to my children? Yeah. And so I challenge him every single year. My accountant and I are best friends. I love him. He's a good guy. Uh, I challenge him. I challenge his staff. And I say, I don't come from a place of cockiness or arrogance. I come from a place of, I am a steward of everything placed in my hands. So one of the things that I love about this approach is that you are delegating. It's not like you're saying, I'm going to do my tax return myself. Oh yeah. You're also ensuring that you're hiring and continuing to hire the highest level person and, and holding people to really high standards as you grow. So that's a fantastic uh, 
approach. And can you give us an example of how you do that, that approach in say, not with a, a CPA, but with another team member, like someone who's integral to the, the systems within your business rather than a contractor that's outside of your business. Yeah. So there's three, you know, there's three people you hire, right? You hire a coach or a mentor when you're wanting to grow or go through transition. That's why podcasts are so great. You know, you, you basically get to hire a, a, a free mentor, right? That's mm -hmm. wonderful. And then there's contractors. Those are people outside of that business. And then, you know, inside your business, you've got the team players, right? So my team members today, one of the things that we do is we really think about their space of what are they best gifted at? And I never, ever, ever want to fit a, you know, a round peg in a square hole, right? I, I focus on what are their gifts and their talents and what are they really good at? And I ask the question, what do you love about your daily tasks and duties? What don't you love about your daily tasks and duties? What are the areas that you would see growing? And if you were in charge of this company, what would you do differently? And I do something called a drop-in every single Monday with my team members. So I do it with, uh, you know, again, my department heads, but I also do a Marissa lunch. I do a drop-in with my employees. Um, typically once or twice um, uh, every quarter, I'll get every employee within the company, I'll take them to lunch or I'll have a conversation with them 30 minutes on the phone and I'll send some coffee or a donut or something to their, or plate of fruit to their, their office. And then we just do a zoom call lunch and we say, Hey, what would you do differently? Because those closest to the fire in your business will keep you strong or will get you broke because they're interacting with your customer. Anybody in customer service, my, my front office, uh, I call them the, you know, the first defense and the first opportunity, their smile, the way they meet and greet the people that come through each location's door. I want to talk to them. I want to, I want to pick up the phone and I want to hear the smile on their face every day, every time. So we train and we, and we ask questions and I always ask them and, and I say, you know, I may not always take that advice right away, but I can guarantee you I'm listening. So tell me, if you were in charge today, what should we start doing? What should we never do again? What should we stop doing? What do you love? What do you, what do you dislove? What do you, what do you not like here? Right? <laughs> dislove. Dislove. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do we, what do we, what, what can we do differently? And yeah, if you could design your dream job, tell me what that would look like. I love those questions. And again, the theme here is from the beginning of our conversation has been asking questions and listening. With your CPA, you're a little bit directive, like these are the questions I want answered, you know, like you're leading there, but there's still questions that you're asking him. Mm -hmm. How can we do this differently? How can we address these tax codes and, and the new ways that things are playing out? And, and you're, you're asking better questions of everyone around you. I think that's a really huge success tip for people. One, so point, one more quick yeah. tip with that, though, with your team members, if you've got employees and you've got team members today, we call them team members, not employees, but you've got team members today. One of the last things that I always leave them with is, and we start there and we end there, is the values, the mission, and the purpose of who we are. Because we are better together. We serve better together. I can't do my job without them. They can't do their job without me. We need each other. And I, I always ask them, can you, can you think of one or two or three people this last month that you served? Cause they know I'm going to ask them. So they're really aware 
about thinking about who they're going to tell me next time. Yeah. Who did they serve and how did they serve them? And, and then we, we, it, 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 it brings them to that place of going, oh man, I can't wait to share how good I did at this and how I helped Paula and how I helped Sheila and how I helped, you know, Selma. And, and they, and they come back and they're really excited because it's almost like when your kid brings you like the little dandelions from the, from the yard. And they bring in the dandelions and they're like, here, mom, here's some dandelions. And, and, and they're telling me about that, that client that they helped is the dandelions and they just, they love it. And they, and it's wonderful because I keep my, I keep the pulse of the company. Do we have our, our, our values in check? Yeah. Are we just about the bottom line? Or are we about service? Absolutely. hundred percent. And this, again, this is asking a question of your team members and it's giving your subconscious that reticular activating system, that part of your brain that is seeking answers to the questions that you ask, it's giving it a direction. So when, when you're having your monthly meetings with the individual, they know, oh, she asked that question this time. I'm going to look for the answer. We can do this for ourselves. There, you can ask questions every morning of yourself. It sets a huge intention for your, for your day. And one of them can be, how, how did how do I serve today? How am I going to serve today? Right. And you can ask that at the end of the day, how did I serve? And yeah. if you ask it at the end of the day, you're primed for the next day to think about how you're giving and how you're serving. And the first law of receiving is giving. So, you know, it can't be with a quid pro quo. It can't be like I'm, I'm giving to get, it's just here I am. I'm doing my thing in this world. I'm, I'm doing my genius work. I'm showing up and I'm giving freely of myself, of my intellect, of, of my wisdom, of my uh, unique character traits that can help other people. And if you do that, if you lead with that, you will receive it. It's, it's how it works. So next question for you. Okay. So you are in the investment world, right? There's lots yeah. of different uh, financial vehicles that you work with, but Many of them are investments. I would like to, to have you answer this question in any way that you would like. What's the best investment that you've made in your business and in yourself? In a mentor. The absolute Both. best investor yeah, 100%. I have made, hands down. I didn't even have to think about it. Mm -hmm. The absolute best investment I've made is mentors along the way. And I've actually gone into paid mentorships and how I pick a mentor is this, as I say, where are they at where I want to be? Do they have the skills, knowledge, and teaching ability to teach me to, to get there quicker? And it's, it's one of the things that in business, and it, and it may not just be, when I say a mentor, it may not be a person. It could be a book. It could be a program. It could be a course you took. It, it, it could be a podcast that you listen to because everything you do is an investment. As an example, it's an investment of time. So if you're doing this today, you are investing right now. You, the listener, listening to this right now. I, I hope that you are getting gold from this. Uh, and I'm going to give you some three, three departments of your company in a minute here that you really want to invest in and really fully understand capably. But the investment that you make in your time right now with the people you spend time with and invest time with is huge. And who you listen to and who you learn from matters. For example, I don't take advice from broke, unhappy people. Seriously, amen. How, right? How Come many on. times do we ask our girlfriends, 
what do you think I should do in this business? She's a teacher. Okay. I love her. God bless her, but she's not running P and L's. I'm not asking her on what's the best marketing trend for social media today. I'm not because that's not her world. She, my, one of my best friends in the world, I love her so much. She teaches second graders. She can tell me exactly how to teach a kid to read, but that is not the mentor I need for my business today. So I have five core mentors that I, I work with every single year in my personal growth journey, in relationships, in spiritual growth, in physical, and in financial. And they're always up-leveling me. And I pick them based on how they challenge me. Are you challenging me? Are you asking me what my 90-day goal is? You're challenging me and are you keeping me accountable? It's the best absolute investment. And when I talk about investing, it's also about the most important word that I'm going to give you with each one of them. What disciplines have I utilized? What disciplines have I picked up? What disciplines, uh, what disciplines am I applying huge. This is so, this is so big. You know, if you don't, if you're not disciplined in it, you just wasted your time and your money. Yeah. So question on that, two questions on that. When did you first start investing in mentorship and what do you think made you someone who saw that and connected the dots? Because so many people think it's a great idea, but they get stopped by, I don't have enough money. What if I fail and I'm not able to do what they tell me to do? I don't want to, I don't want to face that. And, or they're just not, they they have blinders on and they just don't even see the opportunity that's, that's there. What do you think made you someone who actually saw that and recognized the value of that? Well, it really started back that day when my mom asked me the question about, um, about being a victim or being victorious, right? I listened to a quote that Zig Ziglar had out years ago. Zig Ziglar, he's like the sales guy, right? And he um, sales and and really, um, you know, mental capacity and all the different things that we needed to learn back then about mindset. And he was kind of one of the leaders of the industry for that. And he said, if you help enough people get what they want, you can get what you want. And I looked around in this two bedroom trailer court with poverty all around me. And I, I can still drive. So you were listening court. to Zig Ziglar at 14 or however old that was. Yeah. I actually, I got a book from the library because we, I, we didn't have a cassette player. We didn't have one. Um, back in the day there's we use cassette players. Now that people are like, what's a cassette player. If you're 20 something, just Google it. Well, Google what a quick cassette player is. Uh, I'm not 20 something. So, uh, I went to the library and I, I was like, um, I, I asked the librarian, I said, I need books on how not to be poor. Oh, I love it. So what, so let's back, let's pause there. Giant pause. Okay. <laughs> so the, the thing that I love about that is that you were, you were taking the initiative. You were asking a great question. You were, you were looking at the desire that you had and problem solving, you were going into the figure it out mode instead of the victim mode, right? You, you were actualizing and instantaneously what your mother had, had put in front of you. And what made you like, do a little pop psychology on us. Like, okay. (laughs) Like, because so many people, um, they do two things. One, if they get to that place of asking the question and, and checking out the book, they read it, but they don't apply it right? They read, they go through the chapters and they, there's a little exercise at the end of the chapter 
and they keep reading to the next chapter. Ask me how I know. I've done that plenty of times, but I've also yeah. gone back and figured out which of these things, maybe I won't do every single exercise in the book, but which of these things I'm going to actually apply. Cause that, that has been my breakthrough, uh, uh, process, if you will. It, I mean, there's been many breakthrough processes, but that that's one of the main ones is that if I'm going to hire someone, if I am going to read the book, I might not use 95% of it, but that 5% that's like, that is it. I am going to apply it. I'm not going to just think about it or cogitate on it. I'm going to take action on it. And that has been a, a huge, huge, huge success tool for me. So I forgot my question, but it was something along the lines of like, what made you at 14, someone who actually applied what was in those books and, and, and taking that initiative? What, what do you think your character traits were? Oh, it was super simple. I believe, I absolutely believe people will do more to avoid pain than they will go after the pleasurable things 100%. they want. Right. It's so sad. Let's pause there for a second again. Challenging, <laughs> right? Because as, yeah. as, as someone who sees the light at the end of the tunnel and you want to hold up the carrot, right? You want to yeah. call everyone forward and say, you know what? If I can do it, you can do it. Like yeah, there's a methodology, there's a, there's a way, here you go. Like you want to hold up the carrot. There is this human nature element, which is we want to avoid pain more than we want the pleasure. I know I, I'm going to ra raise my hand to this. I know you're, you're telling a story around this, but yeah. I, I didn't want to be trapped anymore. I really, it was, I was in my forties. You started a lot younger than I did, but I was in my forties and I was like, this is not sustainable anymore. Like I am unwilling to live feeling emotionally trapped because I didn't have the money to do what I wanted in life. I didn't realize that, that, you know, spirit was calling me forward and saying, you know, this is the pathway for you to find your personal freedom too, because in the process of building my business and creating wealth, I had to learn personal freedom. I didn't know that at the time. I just was like, Hey baby, I want to make bank. Come on. I'm done with this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm done with feeling trapped. So we have that in common. I just started 35, 40 years later. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, 30 years have, later, we didn't have gas math. in the car, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't. So I had to bum rides to get to school and we didn't, we didn't, my mom, I mean, she was doing the best she could with what she had. Um, and so I remember, I remember thinking, how do I not be poor? And I was like, all right, well, what do I have? Well, I don't really have, I can't go, I can't go pay anyone to help me not be poor. So I went to the library. I was like, where do you go to get information? You go to the library. <laughs> now know? it would be the internet, but yes. Now it's, now it's G O O G L E. So if anybody tells me, I just don't know how I go, do you, do you not have, I've been all over the world. I have been really blessed to be all over the world. And I have been in third world countries where they did not have running water or toilets, but they had cell phones. It's made and a huge one, difference. One pole in the middle of the village, one pole with all the plugins with people's cell phones plugged in to the pole. And you're telling me we, we, and, and now we've got Google, right? So, or, or whatever your, your research tool is. But I think this is, this is huge because I asked the question, how do I not be poor? 
And I think everything in your world starts with asking the right question. It's kind of been the theme of our conversation here today. But if you want to change your mind and you want to change your environment and you want to change your circumstances and you want to change where you're at today and you are not happy with the current conditions and circumstances of your life, it starts with a question. question, Yeah. Ask a better question. Ask a better question. So it started there. But then um, I will tell you, I invested in things like I would go to the used bookstores and I would get cassette tapes because um, I I went through the dumpsters because we found everything in the dumpsters. Like we had an old brown couch. Woohoo. Maybe someone will throw away a cassette player. Right. And so someone did at one point and I got a cassette player and um, I got a Tony Robbins. I remember it it cost me. Ninety nine dollars, and I literally babysat, delivered phone books. You know, back in the day, we used to have these things called phone books, and you drop them off on people's doors. I delivered phone books for the local uh, uh, phone book company, and I bought for ninety nine dollars a Tony Robbins "Awaken the Giant Within" book and his personal power cassette tape series. That series has changed so many people's lives. I have heard that over and over (laughs) and over again, you know, God bless them, right? Like people blow off Tony Robbins now because he's such like a household name and he's, he, you know, he's larger than life and in all of this, but he has fundamentally changed so many people's lives through showing up and, and teaching this material. So I, I freaking love that. Okay. (laughs) Before we get to our last questions of this episode, how can people find you? Where can they find you and and learn more about what you do? Well, so I am, of course, a money and mindset coach. Um, I help people with, uh, you know, I can plug and play with helping them implement their financial planning and all of that in in one of my companies. But where I really, uh, where I really love to teach is on my podcast. I have a podcast called Live Life Rich, and we We teach on different business concepts, financial planning concepts, you name it. Uh, We really are just there to come alongside you every week and help you live life rich. Um, You can find me on my website, marissanielsen.com. It's M-A-R-I-S-S-A. Nielsen is N-E-H-L-S-E-N.com. Uh, so really simple or find me at live life rich and got lots of free resources and downloads. Each one of my podcasts, I normally do, um, all the show notes and the blog posts there for you along with some checklists. So we've got things like get organized checklist questions to ask your accountant, how to get your systems, your structures and your strategies in place. So yeah, that's, that's what I love to do. That's how I love to come alongside people. I want to, I want to help people, um, live really, really live. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Two more questions for you. So what do you think the biggest mindset shift is? Now, I don't want you to do 2020 hindsight, you know, from, from today's position, this is what I would say to everyone, but like when you were going through the, the growth of your life, building your businesses, really getting out of poverty, really stepping forward. What was the biggest mindset shift that helped you helped you fast track your finances, your financial freedom? Yeah. So this this one's a hard one because people are are not going to like it. All right. So just take a deep breath. All you listeners continue to listen to Unstoppable Woman because this was not, <laughs> you're going to be like, she has never invited edit that whole section out. Um, but you know what? We got to quit waiting for the white horse. For me, oh, seriously, we my don't have biggest, to edit that. my biggest, my biggest was here. 
um, my whole life. And, and I, I love the men in my life. They are amazing human beings and I'm grateful for them. But what I learned is this, this whole BS, and I say BS, belief system that people live happily ever after. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes people die, right? And I've, you know, my fiance died a few years ago from cancer and it was a great lesson for me. I learned how to never waste a day in that relationship. He, he shared with me how to live, how to truly live. Um, I went through a, an epic divorce, right? At, um, no one on a white horse is going to come in and save you. So pick up your damn sword and save yourself, sister. Like pick up your own sword. You want your business to grow? Get out there. We got to do something. You have to take action every single day. How bad do you want it? Because you will either work your business or you will work for someone else. That's, that is my belief system. And I, I'm not waiting for a white horse. If it's going to be, it's up to me. Get in there and get scrappy, baby, because you better get moving. And if you're not moving, if you're, if you're not first, you're last. I mean, that's kind of how that works. And I feel like I need to be up early in the morning, getting moving, not from a place of competitiveness with someone else, but from a place of competitiveness with myself, because I said it earlier and I, I hope that, I hope that everyone caught it. I came from the trailer courts. I am a multi multi millionaire today. I could have I retired that. five years ago. Yeah. on a beach, on my mountain. I own a mountain in Costa Rica. And I don't say that for arrogance because I believe that these are all blessings that were poured out because there's some people that work really, really hard in the world that, that don't have a mountain, right? But I also believe, you know, God helps those who help themselves. So get out there, get moving, take some action. Because if you complain about your situation, complacency and complaining are the two things that will keep you broke and unhappy. You will never, ever live life rich if you get complacent or you start complaining. Amen. I remember, <laughs> I remember in college reading a book called Don't Bet on the Prince. And it was oh, yeah. a, a yeah. series of reimagining of fairy tales, basically. And, and it really taught me how I had been programmed to bet on the prince, whether it was an yeah. actual man or somehow, you know, the government saving us or, yeah. you know, something outside of myself that was going to come in and sweep me off my feet and make everything better. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm realizing that we need to talk about the divorce book and the divorce episode in a little bit of a nutshell, because I want to yeah. wrap up this episode, but I don't want to miss that. You spoke a little bit about how this was like the War of the Roses, the terrible divorce. Um, yeah. I, I too have been divorced. I have the opposite story, which is that it was a very amicable divorce. There's no value statement in either one of those things, but I, I, I had a, a different experience. And I will say that even with the most amicable, collaborative, co- creative divorce, you still get all wiggy about it. Okay. Yeah. Like the, I, I, I love my ex and he's a great guy and you still get all wiggy about it. And, and divorce is just a, a challenging thing, even in the best of circumstances. And then it's even more extraordinarily challenging when someone really breaks the trust, like you mm. articulated. So tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe at, in a nutshell, a couple things you learned through your divorce and then what, what led you to 
write the book and what would people get out of it if they, they read it? So three-parter there. Yeah. So it's really a guidebook on everything you need in the financial side of your life to go through divorce. Because I was, because I was in the business that I was in, I had been helping women, especially women in business, go through divorces for many, many years. You know, I've been doing that for 20 years. So um, I had a lot of experience, so I knew what to do. But even knowing what to do, there's two sides to it. There's an emotional side, and then there's the practical side. So, so when you take the emotional side, it's the death of a dream. Because at one point, it was me and him or us together forever, right? It was big hearts and forever signs with the arrow running through it, you know, like that, right? And then you realize, oh, you know what? Sometimes people say, I don't. And it's the death of a dream. And um, if you are a type A unstoppable woman, like we are, right? We're moving, we're going. Um, we don't want to fail. And for me, my divorce was a form of failure. And I realized, oh man, like I failed my kids. I failed my marriage. I failed, failed, I failed, right? And so just to put that into a nutshell, there are two parts to it. And this, this guidebook is all the practical things that you need to have in place during and after divorce, during and after divorce. Um, so it's, it's everything from the letters you need to write to the things that you need to make sure in the divorce degree, whether you've got children or don't have children, if you have a business, the very specific items that you need, how to protect you, how to protect your credit, how to protect your future. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of details with that. And so I think, you know, attorneys get rich by getting you fighting. And I think if you get prepared, you can either prepare or you can repair. And I want to help people in that preparedness place because I can't, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I, I, I don't work you through that part. I would share with you. I know my own experience of that. And the experiences of my clients have been, we need each other when we're going through it to help us keep our head about us because there's all sorts of feelings that come up, whether it was a good, bad, or ugly situation. Um, there's all sorts of feelings that come up and then we make bad financial decisions and we make rash decisions and we do dumb stuff. Uh, and when we do dumb stuff, we end up broken, unhappy. Yeah. Or you do dumb stuff like you and you still rich because you sold everything <laughs> you said, you said you sold everything at like garage sale prices, you know, and maybe that wasn't the wrong thing to do. So many people were served by that, right? Someone yeah, yeah. got that grand piano, as you said, at, at a fire sale and it made their life hugely better. So, yeah. you know, there, there's that perspective as well. Okay. Do you have yeah. something else to say on well, that? And the, and the way, you know, the way the, the lessons that I learned about the dumb stuff I did, like I have a whole section, don't do this, like, don't do this. And then a less, a, a list of questions to bring with to your attorney for you and for, or them, you know, male or female, what do you need to be able to navigate this process? Because if you've never done it before, you don't know how, and we, you know, I, I look at life like uh, having a GPS for our businesses and our lives. Uh, if, wouldn't it be great if we could just ask our GPS, how do we best get there? How do we best get there? And that's really what I do every day with my team is I help people with creating a guided planning system for their life. Where is it that you want to go? What's a match for your life? How do we best get you there as a thinking partner? We don't do it for you, but we come with you and say, so let's do it together. So love it. yeah, thank you for, thank you for allowing me to share that because I really believe a lot of people will be served and as they're hurting and healing through that process, 
um, from from ashes to beauty, it, it can be reborn into something beautiful, and and your life can be beautiful afterwards. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, for our final question, oh you boy. ready? <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> what makes you an unstoppable woman? Oh wow, this is this is such an interesting one. Um, I believe my entire life I've been dealing with adversity from from the time I was a child, and so the the things the things that I've learned about that is that it is small actions over time that lead to great change in your life. And you become unstoppable. You aren't just born unstoppable. You, you know, show me a natural heart surgeon. We're not just born naturally amazing at a skill set. Being unstoppable is a sense and a presence of mind to say every day, every day, no matter what, I will live intentionally. I will never waste today. I will get up and I will live my life rich every day. And this, this is what makes me unstoppable because no matter what the challenge is, uh, you know, I feel like, I don't know, there's an old Bible story I heard in Sunday school when I was a kid. It was David and Goliath. And, he, you know, David said, show me the bear, show me the lion's head, and then show me, show me the uncircumcised giant, right? And, and so I giggle a little bit about that, you know, these stories that we hear throughout our lifetime. But what's your story? You know, I know what makes me unstoppable. I would turn that back to your listeners and I would say, we can all be unstoppable. It is a choice and a decision. So go back and look back over your life and say, what things have I overcome? Because if I overcame that, I can overcome this. If I, if I went through that fire, I can go through this one. If I went through that water in over my head, I can go through this one too. And so I look back at my history and my past and I say, no matter what, you, you better hit me hard because when I get back up, I'm going to fight twice as hard. And maybe that's the scrappy trailer court kid, you know, turned multimillionaire. But I, I would tell you, it's the attitude in which I approach every situation that no matter what, I will not give up. I will not give in. I will not let go. I will not let it up. I will keep my foot on that pedal until we get there. Persistence. Love it. Love it. I love it. I love it. So thank you, Marissa. Thank you for being unstoppable. Uh, thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for putting it all out there for us. We probably talk for hours. I have more <laughs> questions for you, but we are going to wrap it up. I hope everyone goes and checks out her stuff, whether you're going through a divorce or just want those CPA questions or need some financial advice. You can check her out and we'll put all her information in the show notes as well. And that's a wrap. Thanks for so, joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us and for being a part of the Unstoppable Woman movement. I want to let you know that we've got a ton of free resources for you for scaling your business at theunstoppablewoman.com slash free stuff. Please go ahead and check those out. And we'd also love your help in getting the message out. Share this podcast with all the unstoppable women in your life, your friends, your colleagues, your business besties. Please do that. And if you're game, we'd super duper duper appreciate a review on iTunes as well. Thanks so much and be unstoppable.